Hey, welcome to the Lyric House Church podcast. Our mission is to host a house for him. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our live service. Make sure to check out our Facebook page for details about upcoming events and information on our small groups that meet throughout the week. Thank you for being part of our broader community, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, and they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witness laid down their garments at the feet of the young man. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Falling to his knees, he cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he said this, he fell asleep. We move on to Acts and we see that Paul, it says in Saul, approved of this execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And Paul was ravaging the church and making havoc and entering house after house. He dragged them off, men and women. What we see here, we see a man that was so committed to his religion, and so committed to what he believed was right, that he was wreaking havoc He was consenting, and that word means he took pleasure in attacking these people that had found something, they tasted something that they had never seen before. And Paul took pleasure in killing them and stopping them, putting them in prison. So they were scattered, not because they were necessarily scared for their lives, but because they couldn't stop what they have seen. They couldn't stop what they've learned. And it said that they were scattered into all of the world, like God had told them to originally, like Jesus has com- had commanded them to take this great commission. But what I want to concentrate here is, is this persecution that we see. This was the beginning of the church being persecuted. Before, this was just the apostles and the disciples that, or just the apostles themselves had been persecuted, but now we see the whole church. And what seemed like a pointless death of Stephen. We're starting to see this impact this region. But it seemed like that his death was for no reason. This planted a seed. It was like the blood of the martyrs filled the land. And they could hear their cries. They could hear his cry as they were being martyred one by one. And here's the thing is it hasn't stopped since then. We've had 70 million people we believe to be martyred for Christ. Since the time of Jesus, since Jesus, for 2,000 years, but what we believe it was 70 million people. Every one of those people, they tasted something. They learned something. There was something that they seen that was worth their life. The Lord said to me this weekend, it was, there's kind of a lot more to it, but I heard him say, those, in, that, those that die to their plan will inherit the land. So many of us would say that we would be die, we'd be, we'd be willing to die for the Lord. We get offended with people. We get offended with our church leaders if they didn't say the right things. We get offended with each other if they don't do what we ask them to do. We have expectations that we shouldn't have had. Are we really willing to die? And I don't even mean just physically. I think sometimes it's, it's harder for us to lay down our plans and lay down our wants and lay down our religion than it is for us just to, to die for Christ, to physically die. See, Paul had, this, Paul had this belief that he was right and they were wrong, that he was willing to die on that hill. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what the cries were of the people. 
He wasn't interested in hearing what that they wanted or what they had seen. See, he hadn't tasted and seen. He hadn't found it yet. Matthew was killed by a spear. Mark was drugged through the streets until he was dead. Luke was hung after he preached to the lost. Can you imagine after I preached this message? You guys aren't lost, you're found. That if they came in and they hung me for it? John was boiled in a huge basin of oil. Ugh, that's rough. Have you ever been like, had splat like oil splatter on you when you're cooking? Bacon hurts. And he was literally dipped in it, but he didn't die. And I want to say that he, that the Lord protected him and he didn't feel it, but the Lord wasn't protected when he was on the cross. He felt it. Still has holes in his hands. So I don't know. Did John feel it? He didn't die, and then he was brought to the, the, the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. God wasn't done yet. And then even after that, he became a bishop in Turkey. And he died as an old man. It's a beautiful life, but that man seen something. That man walked through something that none of us could even imagine. Peter was crucified upside down because he didn't want to die. He wasn't, didn't feel worthy to die the way that Jesus did. James was thrown off of a hundred foot pinnacle. Should be like two of lyric. Thrown off of it for his faith. And he didn't die. So they beat him to death instead. James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded at Jerusalem. But what he found, what he saw, impacted the people around him. That the, the officer that had brought him to court was so affected by his, his testimony that he gave his life to the Lord right then and there and stood beside him and and expressed his faith and was beheaded right next to him, gave his life to the Lord and was beheaded, knowing it would happen because he saw something. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, was a missionary to Asia. And he was flayed with a whip. He was skinned alive. Could you imagine that? Getting your matching T-shirts. <laughs> Spending all the money that you have for a year on plane tickets to go to Asia. We get there, we're all excited, thinking about what we're going to do for the day, and we preach a little bit of a gospel, and they come in and they skin you alive. Andrew was crucified, and after he had hung on the cross for two days, he died. But while he was there, he preached the gospel. He didn't stop. He preached until he took his last breath. And what his words were is he said, I have long desired and expected this happy hour. The cross has been consecrated by the body of Christ hanging on it. Thomas was speared in India during one of his missionary trips to establish a church. He went to go plant a church. Brought a crew, went there with the idea that they were going to change the world in India. And he was killed. Jude was beaten and then crucified. And Matthias, the one that was appointed, like, think about this. He was appointed after Judas had already done what he did. Matthias was chosen. What a lucky man. Like, how, how beautiful his life is. Like, he had this chance. And then he was stoned and beheaded. See, here's the thing is people will die what they really believe in. They will, they will die for what they believe to be true. What did they see? What was it that they heard? What did they taste and see that would make them live a life like this that said, that I'm not worthy to die upright like Jesus did. That I'll go into other countries and preach the gospel even if I die. 
We're really bold on Facebook, though. You've got to give us that. Like, we'll, we will post our Facebook, or our, we will post our Bible verses every day that we get. We might even wear the shirts. Bumper sticker or two, but, man, don't ask me for a whole lot more than that. Makes me wonder if we've tasted and seen the same God that they have. There's a man um, back in 2018 that Jason and I recently watched this documentary, and um, we'd heard about it back then, but it's just really, really lately. There's something stirring with it, and I can, can just feel it, but there's this man named John Chow, and he was um, just a kid. He was 26 years old, and he was this brilliant boy. I say boy because I'm old. And I have a kid this age almost. He was this brilliant kid who loved the Lord. So much more that even as like his parents just didn't quite understand it. Do you guys? So I pray for my kids. <laughs> know the Lord so much, guys, that you teach me. And so he lived this life dedicated to the Lord without wanting to be seen. He didn't want anything from anybody. He didn't want to be known as a leader. In fact, they asked him to come and lead Bible studies, and he said, I can't. I have a mission. And he, he went to college because his dad wanted him to, and so he went to Oral Roberts, and he, and he graduated college. And the whole time he was there, he started to research this people group, this unreached people group called the Sentinelese. Am I saying it right? Sentinelese people group, and they're outside of India, and it's this unreached people group that are known to be dangerous, that they will kill anybody. They've killed people passing by on fishing boats, and, and even the government, the Indian government knows that you just don't go to this land. It's, it's, it's unreached. Now, you guys have to understand that there's like 6,000 unreached people groups. It doesn't mean that people haven't reached them and told them. It just means that they haven't either accepted it or maybe they're um, like Muslim or d like Hindu, Buddhist. They just, they don't have Christ, but there's very few people groups that literally no man has gotten to and, and, and gotten to talk about Christ, and this is one of them. And John had this heart. And this was only like, like 2018. 2018, yeah. you know, five years ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so John found these these people and he researched it. And for 10 years, so if he was 26 when this happened, for 10 years he spent his life dedicated to finding out everything he could about these people. But there was nothing out there. He had no idea that the, the language they spoke. So what he did was he took a class that, um, and I don't think I quite understand this, but he took a class that would kind of teach him, um, what was it called, let me find, it was a linguistics course um, with, with Wycliffe, and it would help him to be able to communicate. They didn't know the people's language either, but it was, enable, it was, just, it was um, an opportunity to take a course that would be able to help him, maybe teach him how to talk to people that didn't know this language. He took this course. And he, he became an EMT so that he could help these people when he reached the islands, who could help and bring um, medicine to help them. He went and he got vaccinated so that he didn't bring any diseases over there to him. He um, had glasses, and so he went and he had LASIK surgery so he didn't have to worry about glasses while he was over there. He, everything in his life was for the day that he would get to go reach these people. People told him he was crazy. People told him he was nuts. Everyone that's been has died. And this was, it. This was his plan. And he would even talk in, in, in um, small groups. And he would say, at the end of his prayer, he would say, I can't wait to introduce you to my friends, the Sentinelese. Like he was rooted with them. It was like he already walked with them and knew them. He had a heart for people that he never even met. What did it, ha what did, what did it matter to him? Like he wasn't going to, what, was he what, what did it matter? He didn't know anybody over there. He wasn't like a direct descendant of any of them. It was just that he had tasted and seen and found something that he couldn't handle if they didn't find. So he made this plan. He made this plan to contact them. And it was radical. It was this wild plan. that he would pay some fishermen 
and he would ask them to bring him out, but they were like, dude, no, you're crazy. Like, I wouldn't, nobody, no, nobody goes over there. He couldn't find anybody. And so he spent some time in the land to find other Christians that, that maybe had reached, did some sort of research, anything with these people, and he couldn't find anything. And he was flying back home from going over to the area, and he said, God, maybe I'm not supposed to do this. Have you guys ever done that? Like, know that the Lord said something, but then just being like, God, I don't know. Maybe that wasn't you. What'd you say? Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm sure he probably thought that. <laughs> but, and he said, God, is all this for nothing? I've lived, I've dedicated the last 10 years. Like, he's 26, so since he was 16, this is all, this is what he ate, slept, and breathed, and everyone told him he was crazy. He didn't have anybody on his side. People would email him that he would ask for advice that, that did missions, that reached, that went to the unreached. The people that were, this was their job, is what their life was dedicated, and, he, and they would respond back there like, are you sure? Like, bro, do you know? Do you know that you know that you know that God said this? And so he was questioning it, and he said, God, is it, am I supposed to? And as he said that, he looked out the window of the, pla- of the airplane as he was flying over, and there was the island that he had hanging up on in his room. There was the island that he knew every part of from Google Maps because it's unreached. And he saw it clear as day. He had no idea he was even flying over that area. And there was the perfect outline of the, of the island that he knew, like the back of his hand, that hung up on his wall. It was the screensaver on his phone. And if you don't think that put a fire under him, <laughs> like if you don't think that that was like, I'm doing this. So he went back home and he developed this plan that he'd go and he would have fishermen take him out at least to part of the land, to the, to the ocean, and then he would, like, kayak or canoe out to the rest of it. And he did it slow. He brought, he brought supplies with him, and he, would, he went out, and the first time he actually got to encounter them, and they saw him, and he said, this is what he said, my name is John. Can't speak English, but he's trying, right? I love you, and Jesus loves you. Simple. It's really all that mattered. What else did he need to say? And he comes back the next day, and he's writing all of this in a journal. He has this journal that he's, he's saying, all his, like his heart's cry, and he starts to get real and raw, guys. He's saying, I don't want to die, but I've seen something that I've got to tell them about. I'm not ready to die, but if I do, if you have a memorial for me, don't make a big deal. In fact, what he did is he went and made a face like an Instagram um, life that he was just an adventurer, that he liked to go out and purposefully he made it seem like he just liked to go out and so that if he went on a mission and he didn't come back, they wouldn't have any idea that he was murdered by the Sentinelese because he didn't want anyone to fault them and go after them. So he's writing, he said, I don't want to die. But he writes this, Holy Spirit, please open your hearts of the tribe to receive me. By receiving me, to receive you. May your kingdom, your rule, and reign come come now to the North Sentinel Island. My life is in your hands, O Father, so into your hands I commit my spirit. Just like Stephen had once said. And so he goes back out the next day. He's excited, and he's got fish. He's like, um, he goes, he actually gets to the island, and he buries some of his, like, um, some stuff that he would need while he was over there. I don't know how he got there, but he got to the, the shore of the island, and he buried some stuff, and he f- comes back out to the ocean. And he, they see him, and he sees them, and he's making contact. Remember, he's lived his life for this moment, and they shoot an arrow. And don't think that they weren't a good shot. They shot his Bible. They shot right into his Bible. You want to know how God is in this? The page where the tip of the arrow stopped end with the first two verses of Isaiah 65. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am. Here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. 
So he went back and he rested. And the next morning he went back out. More excited than ever. Don't tell me he didn't have this presence of God in, with him in that canoe. That everything in him was ready for this moment. Nothing mattered. His own life didn't matter. All of a sudden, money had no role in his life. A big house, two kids, a dog, making it in the corporate world, having people know his name, none of, none of that mattered. These people's souls mattered to him. And he went back out on November 16th, took his canoe, and nobody heard from him. So the fishermen that he had paid money for, that he already paid them, came back to check on him. And as they did that, they saw the sentinelese burying his body. They believe, they don't know just looked like him and had the clothes that he was wearing. Did he reach him? Did he talk to him? Did, he get, did they get his Bible? I don't know. I don't really know. But I know it, was for, it wasn't for nothing. But you want to know what happened on our world? Is that when that happened in the public found out about it. They mocked him. They told him he was stupid, that he was unprepared. Comedians made jokes about it. They made face grant, like Facebook graphics making fun of him. In fact, the fishermen and the people that had helped, like knew, went to jail and were tried, guys. Did anybody, does any, I mean, like I know some people, who's heard about this? Who's heard about this? Raise your hand high so I can see. How in the world did we not hear about this? But here's the thing is it's not just John Chow. This is happening everywhere, all over the place. We sure in the heck hear about Taylor Swift and what she's do, what songs she's singing and, and Travis Kelsey and what they're doing. Sorry, Jill. It's fine. I like them too. I mean, I don't really care, but they're fine. But how do we not hear about John Chow living his life for Christ? And then the world says that he was an idiot and that he was stupid for doing it and that it was a death sentence, even his own dad. They made a documentary that wasn't, that was telling of, of how uh, reckless this was. How was that reckless? He found something that he, kn that he knew that these people had to have. So now they're starting a movement where they're questioning whether the Great Commission is outdated. That it could be illegal to be able to reach people that are unreached. Or there's going to be a law or put into effect. It can only be politicians or something. I don't know. I don't understand all of it. But if we're saying there's still 6,000 people groups, and in people group I mean like, um, like there's a lot more details to it, but people group is, is women, children, tribes, right. And there's some like what, 75,000 people groups in the world and six of them, is that right? Does that sound right? Does anybody know? Yeah, there's a lot. And then there's some 6,000 that are still unreached. How is that possible? And when we try to reach them, we're, we're, we're told that we're reckless and that this thing that we've tasted that could set them free, the only thing in life that matters. And one of the last things that he says in his journals, he said, I believe that the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience. not how many people come and sit in our church. It's not how many albums that have we have released as a worship leader. It's not about how many people that we've told about the Lord. It's not about us. 
John said a few months before his death, I want my life to reflect obedience to Christ and to live in obedience to him. I think that Jesus is worth it. He's worth everything. Leonard Ravenhill says, are the things that you're living for worth Christ dying for? I think that John would have said yes. Can we say yes, church? Or what, we living, what we're living for, what we're striving for, what we wake up thinking about, is it worth Christ dying for? Was it worth John Chow dying for? What if our kids... What if something sparked in our children and they, and they said, Mom, I, everything in me wants to go reach the unpeople, unreached people groups? Is what we're teaching them today worth them dying for? And I have a whole, I had a whole bunch more, but I don't feel like talking about it. Because you couldn't legally do it, right? Because I believe that, yeah, there was like fishermen that had been shot prior to that. So they made it a rule. That affected me too, that his friends were, his friends, and in this documentary that I watched, that I'm not going to tell you the name because I don't recommend it, they said he had no business going there. His own dad. His dad said it was because of the radical Christians that this happened. thing is, is he was willing to die for the heart of his king no matter the cost no matter what it took it seen and acquired a relationship with his father like none other and he was willing to die for the heart of his king That's the, that's the thing. He walked in obedience. He wasn't radical. It wasn't, it wasn't radical. What drove him was love. Yeah. He's driven by love. feel like I've tasted and seen too. I feel like I found something that would be worth dying for. Yeah. Because it just doesn't seem radical. The thing is, is there's really no such thing as death for us. We're already dead. We die to ourselves. We have an eternal inheritance and a kingdom in his kingdom. Hmm. We're never going to die. This body, this, Lord, take my body. This thing's getting rough. <laughs> <laughs> You're too young to be saying that, You're Dakota. getting that new body. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. Uh, that's a selfish prayer. I shouldn't say that, Lord. I know there's stuff here you want me to do. <laughs> <sighs> oh, yeah. So when we when we sing, who is this man? Yeah. Who is this man?
that John Chow lived his life, laid it all down. No, nothing did he desire more but to see the face of Jesus and to bring his friends, the Sentinelese, with him. So I'm not trying to say we're taking a missions trip with matching shirts out to the Sentinelese. That's not what I'm saying, but... Um, but a fire is lit under me, and like Esther said, if I perish, I perish. To die is gain. Yeah. My wants, my desires, my expectations, or my physical body. Yeah. Hmm. Ah, man, and that's so true. That lines up with fasting, too, Craig. To die is gain. I mean, to die to your flesh is gain. Anytime you fast or anything, you end up gaining. Die to yourself. Die to the things of the world. Yeah, yeah. Every tribe. Amen. Every knee will bow. Yeah. It's the so Father's God. will that all men come to know Christ. So we don't have to see it, God, but it would be really cool. <laughs> That's all I really want to say today. Um, um I'm going to hand the mic over to Sarah. She's going to share her heart today, and then she's going to hand it over to Hayden. They have a couple of things that they're going to share with us. You're going to cause an argument in my household? <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys know this, but today is the Sanctity of Life Sunday. It's also commonly known as Pro-Life Sunday. That being said, if there are kiddos here right now that you don't want them to hear about anything else I'm going to say, this would be the time to, okay, I'm just giving you a heads up, <laughs> just cover their ears, just make up definitions, I don't know, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> ask questions later, um, can you put up the, beautiful, okay, so I first wanted to Put this up. These are some great resources near us. So one of the places I want to mention is a pregnancy resource center. It used to be called the Rachel House. And they are available if you or someone you know, everybody knows someone, they would love to help you and counsel you. And then there's this amazing place that I recently found out about. It's called If Not For Grace. 
and they focus on healing from the trauma after the abortion. And this is healing for everybody, so men, women, family, everybody. I'm going to take the next, mm, like, two minutes talking about um, the aftermath of the abortion. So according to the CDC, about one in five women has had one. And this is only for ages 15 to 45. So if you were 13, 46, 47, you're not included. So we can look at that and be maybe one in four. I'm not asking anybody to say anything. I'm not asking people to raise hands, give testimonies. But there's more than five women in this room. Suicide rates are about 15% higher for those who have had one than compared to people who have carried that birth to the full term. These women also have higher rates of depression, anxiety, and other mood disorders. I don't want to mislead anybody and say that this is a direct cause. Um, we don't know the life circumstances, but the statistic is significantly um, and nobody can argue that there is not an impact. So what I do want everybody to understand is that when I say I am pro-life, I'm not talking just about babies. I'm talking about you. I am pro your life. And I want you to know that I absolutely adore you. I mean that I truly love you. And I know you can say, like, you don't know what I've done. You don't really know me. You don't have to tell me. Just know that I love you. And I know that making that decision was not something you took lightly. It was not an easy decision. And I know because of the stigma around it, especially among evangelical circles, you might still be struggling with it. And I know, want you to understand that there's still healing for you. And what I know for certain is that the woman who's had the procedure, you're still loved. The man who is sitting guilty in his compliance, you are still loved. And there is no such thing as unforgivable sin. In fact, Romans 8.1 says, therefore, now, like as in today, like right now, there is no longer condemnation for those who are found in Christ. Paul also goes on to talk about the Christian identity. He says, you are a new creation. This can be found in 2 Corinthians 5.17. You have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer you, but Christ who lives within you. That means that for every single one of us, we are the essence of Christ. You were created for a purpose and absolutely loved by the Father. He has a specific plan for you in your life. You have been adopted as an heir to God's throne. That means that you're his son and you're his daughter. You can't change it. Once you're got, you're got. And for those of you who don't know Paul's story, he literally dragged out parents from their house who were believers in order so that they could be persecuted. This means that he was the reason that people were orphans. So if Paul can confidently say all of these things about himself, and he can write to people who have done worse and continue to do worse, and he can say this with true confidence, I want you to know that it's true for you too. I want to leave with this. It's not my words. This is from God. And it's for everybody. He says, I love you. You are my child. And I am so proud of you. Okay, let's pray. Dear God, thank you for life. Thank you for grace. And thank you for loving us no matter what. Amen. What did you say today is the national what day or what? It is the Sanctity of Life Sunday. Yeah, Sanctity of Life Yeah. Yeah, that works better. Um, Thank you for sharing that. Sarah was like, hey, can I share on something? And I was like, uh, yeah. Um, um, obviously, we're pro-life. That's something that's close to our heart. But just like Sarah said, I'm not just...
pro-baby, but pro-life, pro-mama that's had an abortion's life, pro-dad who's, who's walked through that's life, um, no matter what decision you make, pro-life. Um, and whenever I was pregnant with Jade at 16, that was an option that was made readily available even by the Christians in my life that said, hey, you know you have options. And it was never something that I considered, um, although I thought I would have as a 16-year-old. Um, I actually had said, I, sure, if I got pregnant, I'd have an abortion. I don't, I don't remember why we had that conversation, but I remember I said that to you. If I got pregnant, I'd just have an abortion because it's so, um, I, I just feel like there's no education. We're not talking about it. It's, it's just so passive. Um, and the Lord got a hold of me, and of course, um, we have Jade because of it, but um, there's so, so many that don't understand and, and walk through it and are told. And, and listen, we all have Christian circles. Like we have this little like comfortable Christian circle where everybody, it's so hush hush. And of course, nobody in our circle believes in, in, in abortion or walks through abortion. And this is not even, this is not political. Like this shouldn't even be a political matter. This isn't about whether we are or we're not. This is about how then can we minister to those that have made this decision. And that's what Sarah's talking about. How can we love you? How can we tell you that there's now still, even though now no condemnation in Christ? So um, I want to encourage you guys to be passionate about life. I want to encourage you guys to be passionate about um, people even after they've made decisions that maybe you don't necessarily agree with. Um, teenagers in the room, listen, this is real. This might be something that you and chances are, this is, might be something that you know somebody or you're, you have to come across and make a decision yourself. And I want to encourage you to choose life. Tell your friends, choose life. Encourage your friends to choose life. Okay, anything else? Us choosing life was one of the best things that could ever happen to us. Although it seemed like the hardest thing. right look at her our little life is back there teaching all of our kids she has her own little life yep okay hey you ready he usually says that's my wife he must he oh okay okay (laughs) what do you say oh (laughs) do the monkey thing (laughs) no okay Throw that first slide up. Oh, it's up there. All right, we have a men's group that meets every Saturday. Uh, starts at 8:30 and normally goes until like 11ish in the conference room. <laughs> Sometimes. There's like a pre-breakfast meeting. <laughs> yeah, just show Just up. get here. All right, and then do the second slide. There's a woman's group that meets every Wednesday, 9 to 11.30, normally. <laughs> <laughs> um, ways to give. You can give in person in this box over here, or there's two online options. There's PayPal or Venmo. And all right, so we are doing a family business meeting because we officially became a 501c3, which means that we're going to have a board and board members and elders. So this meeting is just to inform you guys uh, on all of that and um, some more information about the church. And it is Saturday, February 24th at 530. And make sure to RSVP on the Facebook event page. That way we know who's all coming and we can get prepared for that. And we're going to provide dinner. We won't have child care, but kids can come hang out. I mean, like they're part of our family, so they can come and eat and just hang out with us. Next, water baptisms. We're doing another water baptism on March 17th. Um, yeah, if you know how to heat a big tub of water, 
let us know. We have a stock the tank. The tub we is can't plastic, so I'm not sure fire would <laughs> buy a better one. Okay. <laughs> we just bought that one. And just uh, leave it right there for all of us. Yeah. Listen, when we get our new building, we'll have something. But for right now, we have nothing. Tell the kids, d don't touch the stone. <laughs> okay, next slide. Okay, prayer room. Uh, we have the video still. We're just not playing it. But the prayer room is starting on February 3rd. Um, right now, until we get the building next door that we're believing for, we're just going to stick to one Saturday a month. And so this first one's coming up here in two weeks. And super excited to see what the Lord's going to do through this house of prayer. And one of the things in the Bible none of the disciples or apostles asked Jesus, how do we preach? They asked, teach us how to pray. And that's something that we're going to be discovering as a community, not just lyrics community, but the communities around us. We're going to learn how to pray. Oh, what it's going to look like? Yeah, so basically it's going to be like the same setup for the chairs in here, and it's not a worship night. Yes, there will be worship, but it's not going to be um, like there won't be words on the TV because we just want the guests. Yeah, it will be more spontaneous, but we really want the guests to spend intimate time with the Lord and pray. And sometimes we might have themes for the prayer set, like praying for families or generations, stuff like that. But it's really just a time for you to come and soak. And so, yeah. And Luke uh, 19, it says, Jesus says, my house will be called a house of prayer. And what he's saying there is, um, my house will be set apart for the purpose of prayer. And that's what we're going after is is having a place to gather. It will be come and go if you want to, um, if you want to read scripture, if you want to pace in the back. Um, we just ask that you're not like carrying on a full conversation with somebody else so that we can have prayer. Um, you don't have to stay the full two hours. You can come and you can go. It's kind of awkward because, you know, we all know that if people walk in during service, it's like, hi, <laughs> okay. Um, eventually, when we get our building next door, we'll, we'll get to like, transition differently but yeah we'll have them more often I would love to have them during the day we just want to have Holden be a place of just having the Lord's presence here like I'm not trying to say that we're trying to do 24 7 that's not what I'm trying to say I'm just saying um just commonly having prayer and and worship we're going to have different people do worship it's not going to necessarily be the same people we're going to be inviting people we're going to have um just people that have the same vision that are like, man, I want to pray. So we'll have people doing worship, but then we'll also be peop having people that like do the ministering and pray and read scripture um, that's on your heart throughout it. And it's so hard to explain it if you've never been to it. We, you know, like we will go to Upper Room. Um, IHOP is similar to this as well. And um, they have just a, a place of prayer. And so if you're also, if you're just not really kind of understanding what I'm talking about, look up YouTube, look on YouTube, look at Upper Room and just kind of see we're not gonna. We're not trying to look like exactly like upper room, but that will kind of give or CR. Sorry, I always forget CR um, to kind of understand what it is if this is a new word to you. And so after the pair set, we're gonna have an interest meeting, um, just kind of talking about the vision and if anybody's interested in uh, playing instruments or singing or leading a pair set, this is gonna be a meeting that you're gonna want to go to. Is there one more? Oh, yes. So, um, if you don't know, I went to this ministry this past summer for a week called Circuit Riders, and it's a mission group that's focused on reaching the young generation and reaching the lost and the unsaved. 
And what they do is that they have a like six month DTS where students come from all over the world to learn how to preach the gospel, how to share the good news, uh, how to play worship music or media. And they do these tours and one of them is called Carry the Love. And this is a campus focused gathering. But that doesn't mean that if you're not a college student, you can't go. Um, but the purpose for the Care They Love is to have outreach and to see the lost saved and have them be found. And so they are actually coming to UCM February 5th, which is a Monday night. If you're interested, there is a website link that I'll share with you. That way you can uh, reserve one or two spots for you and your family. And yeah, it's basically just going to be like a worship night and with a message, UCM. And uh, they'll, uh, I think, pretty sure on the website, they'll tell you like which building it is in. But yeah, super excited for that. I know I'm going to it. And I actually have some of my friends who are in the Mid-South tour that are coming up here that I met from this past summer. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so um, youth, young adults, um, like anybody can go, but um, this is geared more, I believe it is geared more for um, those ages because it is on college. So if you guys want to go, we can even figure out how to like to all go together to, to bring a group. But I just want to encourage you guys to um, look into this and get together and go see what the Lord has to say. Okay, anything else? Thank you. All right. All right. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to go. You guys good? Okay. Father, we love you. God, thank you for the seed of the martyrs. God, that their blood wasn't wasted. That because of their passion, God, for your face, that now we get to experience that. Father, thank you that we have found this one thing. We have tasted and we have seen. Thank you, God, that there's no going back, that your name will be known. Our lives are yours. And God, you ask us to to lay down our lives. If you ask us to die to ourselves, God, because you know it's what's best for us, our answer is yes. You were worth it, God. Every part of you. You were worth it. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Lyric House Church podcast. We hope this message blessed you, and we encourage you to share with your family and friends. Remember, the gospel is good news, and good news is worth sharing. If you want to get involved or see what's happening next, make sure to follow us on social media. Until next week, we love you and God bless.